Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast, Season Postmortem Edition, Conference Call Edition. Uh, joining us on the podcast tonight is, first of all, my co-host, as always, Mr. Mike McDaniel of InsideTheACC.com and FightingGobbler.com. Mike, how are you? So we're part-time podcasters, part-time sound engineers. Yeah, this has really been uh, rigged up, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, also joining the program is... Uh, we're going to be talking about the Florida State Seminoles tonight, and nobody better to come in and talk to talk to us about the state of the Florida State football program than Mr. Kelvin Hunt of ChopChat.com on the uh, fan-sided network covering the Seminoles. Kelvin, how are you, sir? Thanks for joining us. I'm uh, doing well, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to kind of talking through the Seminoles season here. Uh, I thought it was really interesting kind of how it went, and we just kind of want to talk through the story of the season here to start out with. Uh, coming in with a, an inexperienced quarterback and really some pieces to replace on the Seminoles' offense, I, I think that I was one of you know a number of people that had some questions about how this was all going to go coming into the season. Uh, I think things got pretty fragile towards the beginning. You know, Malik Henry was not available. Uh, Sean McGuire was hurt, unavailable for the first few weeks, and it really seemed like it was. You know, DeAndre Francois are bust for Florida State, and luckily that ended up working out, got some big wins early on, and really developed throughout the year. So, I mean, what, walk me through the season real quick, you know, without going too deep into any one game. Um, it, it Just talk me through how this whole thing turned out and how, how you felt it was start to finish. Well, man, I'll tell you what, um, you know, started out, started out, you know, pretty bad. You know, the first half against Ole Miss, you know, we she was getting dragged up and down the field. Um, you know, you had a brand new quarterback there. The defense couldn't stop anybody. Um, you know, you were playing against an NFL powerful quarterback and Chad Kelly there. Um, but you know, they um, they came out after halftime and kind of righted the ship, so to speak, and really shut Ole Miss's uh, offense down. Mainly because Ole Miss, you know, was really one dimensional in passing. And I and I want to say that um, you know that second half kind of masked. A lot of a lot of things that uh, you know we really weren't apparent at the time. Um, and so they pulled out that win there, and then played Charleston Southern, and of course Durham James gets hurt uh, in a blowout. Um, and so you know we win that game, and you go into the Louisville game on the road, first road game for a true redshirt uh, freshman quarterback. There, the first game without Derwin, you've got two linebackers that have less than six uh, combined, uh, 12 combined starts between them. You have uh, a redshirt freshman cornerback out there in Tavares McFadden, Marcus Lewis, you know, very little experience. And I think you saw that show up in that Louisville game. A lot of inexperience, a lot of youth 
first game without Derwin, first game on the road, and they got absolutely destroyed. And um, and I think that was a real wake up call for for the FSU team. And um, you know, then they go and you know they uh, you know, pull out a win against South Florida in in a in, in a high scoring game, which South Florida wound up having a really high octane offense. I think the junior number two in the nation is some P plus advanced stats. Uh, then they had a the heartbreaking loss against UNC, you know, 54 yard field goal. I was there in person. I was uh, at the end zone, pretty much, you know, perpendicular to the field goals, and I could see the distance. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's good." Is it going to be through the uprights? And of course, it was. And so here they are, three and two. Uh, you know, expectations is shattered uh, with Miami on deck. You know, going to Miami, and um, you know, of course, you know, it was the uh, the blocket. Rock of the Rock, you know, Marcus Walker blocks at extra point, kind of sealed the deal there. And then from there, you know, it really started kind of turning the season around, you know, played Clemson really tough, really should have won that game. Um, you know, and um, that was the only game they lost the rest of the season. I uh, had a really good win against Michigan uh, in, the, in the Orange Bowl. And um, I think that really sets up nicely for uh, the 2017 season. Uh, you got a lot of returning players, a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of experience. Um, so in the end, I think a lot of fans were really disappointed in the season. But when you, when you really look at it, it may have been Jimbo Fisher's best coaching job because it could have been really easy for FSU to finish, you know, eight and four or, or even seven and five. Um, you know, so overall, things you know it was, it was, a, it, was a, it was a good year. It wasn't what a lot of fans were expecting, but um, I think it's has something nice to for. So, uh, my question for you, Calvin, you know, 10,000 foot view here, DeAndre Francois, was he, you know, the live up to expectations as a freshman? I mean, obviously, comes in, people are comparing him to Jameis Winston. You know, he throws for, you know, nearly 3,400 yards, 20 touchdowns, 7 picks. Doesn't quite complete 60% of his passes, but, you know, I really thought from my perspective, kind of an outsider, he really seemed to improve himself uh, as the season went on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think DeAndre far exceeded expectations. Um, you know, you know, as a as a you know, registered freshman quarterback, playing the level of defenses that they played against, they played against seven defenses that were top thirty or better. And to put up those numbers and only turn the ball over, you know, with seven interceptions, I think he may have lost like two fumbles maybe. Um, you know, so to be able to perform at that level uh, against those type of defenses, uh, I think he exceeds expectations. Um, probably moving forward, uh, the biggest thing, as you mentioned, you know, he's not the most accurate quarterback, and I think that's really going to determine if Florida State takes that next step uh, here in the coming year. Um, you know, a lot of times he would miss, you know, throws on first down, second down, easy throws, you know, out routes, whatnot. Um, but then he would come, he would be third and 15, and he would, he would, he would hit a long bomb you know, of the scene for a first down. And it's like, how did you miss that throw, but you completed that throw? You know, so just a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of, you know, inaccuracy uh, issues. I think some of it could, could have been attributed to just the beating that he took all year. I mean, it started in the Ole Miss game. He just got destroyed up there. And, uh, you know, everybody was talking about how tough he is, and, and I'm going to tell you, he is. Man, that guy is a soldier. Um you know, but I think some of that inaccuracy may have been contributed, you know, by you know just the sheer beating that he took. Uh, you know, as a former baseball player, I can tell you, you know, when I was pitching, and my arm was hurting, 
you know, I wasn't the most accurate pitcher. Um, so, you know, that, that may have something to do with it. So, we'll, you know, we'll see here moving forward, uh, you know, how that improves. I got to tell you, Kelvin, for a freshman, Francois was tough as nails. I mean, there were several games that we saw him, as you mentioned, just absolutely take a beating, uh, one of which there being at the very end of the year against Michigan. I I thought it was interesting if you if you look through, you know, the first like eight to nine games of the year, there really there were not a lot of cases where Florida State just blew teams away. And then somehow in, in the last three games of the year, they blew out Boston College, blew out Syracuse, blew out Florida, and then they go into the Orange Bowl and put up 33 points on a really good Michigan defense. Uh, was there anything in particular that really clicked at the end of the year? Is it, you know, Dalvin Cook getting healthy? Was it, you know, Francois just maturing? What, what was it that really led to that offense catching fire late in the year and, and becoming so dangerous? Yeah, well, I think it was a combination of a few things. You know, early on, you know, in the first half of games, I mean, they couldn't they couldn't smell the end zone. I mean, you know, they uh, well, they were up, I think it was six three against, against Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest has a really underrated defense. Um, you saw them kind of limit Louisville that first half when they played them. Um, you know, but they just really struggled in the first half for whatever reason. And that kind of that kind of you know has rolled over from the 2014 season. It seemed like uh, back when Jameis was there. But I think, man, it, it was a combination of um, the offensive line, you know, doing a, bit, a better job of protecting uh, DeAndre, you know, Dalvin finally getting healthy. The first three games, you know, watching Dalvin Cook, you know, he knew something wasn't quite right. Uh, and Dalvin had had uh, shoulder surgery in the offseason. And um, I think it was a bad, uh, you know, just you know, him getting back in the swing of things because he really didn't have a fall practice there. Um, so that, and then just... Um, guy stepping up, you had Nyquan Murray who really didn't even play at all hardly, you know, in the beginning of the season he'd come on, you know, and then he winds up making the uh the, the touchdown winning catch against Michigan in the Orange Bowl there and I, I think the, the future is really about for him. So so it's a combination of Austin offensive line blocking better, you know, Dalvin getting healthy, of course more experience for DeAndre, kinda of making uh, checks at the line of strength and things like that. And then just uh, you know, receivers being able to uh, emerge and make plays. Calvin, talk to us a little bit about, you know, maybe the result that both surprised you. Um, I, I think, you know, for me, looking at the Louisville game, you know, 63-20, obviously, uh, in a lot of ways, it's almost good that that happens to Florida State because, you know, the rest of the season, they only give up 30 points, let's see, one, two, three, three more times in the regular season, and then, you know, plus the Orange Bowl where it was, you know, 33-32 shootout. It looked like the defense really took more pride in what they were doing after the Louisville game. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. It really, it really started after the um, the North Carolina game. Uh, matter of fact, coaches coaches um, pulled some footage of, of, of uh, the, the UNC game, and you just had players out there just lack, lackadaisical, you know, no effort whatsoever. Just you know, just you know, piss poor. Excuse my language. You know, just tackling. <laughs> You know, and it seemed like, uh, you know, Jimbo actually made them sign, you know, a form. Basically, it was like an effort form. And um, he put a copy of, of it in everybody's locker. And at the time, he kind of was like, hey, man, that's, you know, that's kind of that's kind of telling that you have to do that at this stage of the game. But, you know, I, I don't know if that was it or guys just kind of just man up and say, okay, look, you know, I mean, let me go ahead and play. But after the, the UNC game, um, like you said, you know, they really, they really stepped up. I, t- 
tell you another thing that helped also was uh, you didn't you didn't face NFL caliber quarterbacks. You know, you didn't have a Deshaun Watson, you didn't have a Chad Kelly or a Mr. Trubisky. Um, you played more pro style offenses uh, that you know was a way less spread, and I think that really helped uh, the Florida State defense also. So they got better, but you know the offenses they faced were not as good as earlier in the season too. So I think that's kind of important to note. Kelvin, if you had to pick like one or two games of these 13 games that Florida State played that really kind of surprised you the way that they turned out, which games would you pick? Uh, win or lose? You mean win or lose in just any game or the games that they won? Uh, it could be any game. It could be win, lose, you know, positive outcome, negative outcome, just okay. things that you kind of weren't expecting to happen throughout the year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I think... Um... You know, obviously the Louisville game, uh, you know, I did not expect um, Louisville to just run up and down the field on them like that. And I think the most disconcerting thing was just um, when I went back and watched the film on that game, you had players, they, they couldn't even line up correctly. Um, players just out of position, um, you know, guys just running wide open, uh, you know, two guys taking one guy when it should have been, you know, one guy taking this guy and another guy taking that guy on defense. So that was really... That's really concerning. Um, so that game, I would say, from just a, a negative aspect. Um, as far as the game where I thought they played, you know, one of the most complete games, uh, probably the Boston College game. Um, that game, and then the NC State game. Boston College and NC State both have really good defenses, um, in particular NC State's D line. Uh, they can get out to the quarterback. And, uh, you know, NC State jumped out early, as most teams have against FSU this year. And, um, you know, those guys in the second half found a way to win. So, um, I mean, that was, that was really that was really telling that they were able to do that against those type of defenses. I think they scored. That beat NC State 24-20. I think they put up that beat, beat the breaks off of Boston College. Um, who had held, you know, Jimbo pretty much in check the last couple of seasons. Granted, you know, Don Brown had left and gone to Michigan as defensive coordinator. But still, um, you know, they had a really, really good defense. So, um, so I think I think those three games probably stick out more. Uh, the Michigan game, I felt like we we had a really good shot to win. I thought, you know, as we mentioned, um, they had a post-out def- uh, offense with a really, you know, immobile quarterback. I mean, he can run, but he's not, you know, he's not Deshaun Watson out there. And so I felt really good about that matchup. Um, I felt good about uh, our offense. I, did, I felt like Michigan hadn't played uh, a lot of good offenses or offenses that are uh, at uh, FSU's level. Um, so I really wasn't that surprised um, by that game. Um, so, you know, but it obviously it was a, a really good win. Yeah, I think the uh, Boston College game, too, on a short week, I think that made that, uh, you know, really impressive win. So win like they did on a short week after a tough game against that team. I thought that was, you know, a real real turning point for, for Florida State. I mean, they were kind of on a roll there for a while, but they were able to get that done. Uh, looking ahead, Calvin, to 2017, I mean, I know obviously Florida State's going to have another fantastic recruiting class here that they're going to sign tomorrow uh, as we record here Tuesday night, the night before National Signing Day. But you look ahead next year, obviously, the opening game against Alabama, which never an easy task when you have to – Open the season against you know one of the consensus top two or three teams in the country year in and year out. But just what are your early indications of the schedule? Uh, obviously, a typical Atlantic 
Carnival game, I think we, we open this, I think, like three-point underdogs or something like that. But I like the schedule. I like the way it shakes out. You know, uh, they don't have any crazy schedules. You know, uh, For instance, this past season, they played the first three games took place within 12 days. They played Ole Miss, came back and played Charleston Southern, then played Louisville. Um, you know, so they played the first game was September the 5th. They played Louisville September 17th, which was the third the third game. Um, you know, so you don't have any of that this year. Um, you know, you got you got um, you got to go to Clemson, obviously. Um, but you have um, you know they lost a lot a lot of uh, a lot of talent offensively. Um, you know, every game before kind of a you know quote unquote big game. You know, you kind of have you, you feel like you you know you have a, a winnable game there, and you have time to kind of to prepare for those bigger games. Um, you know, not to not to sell those other teams short, but um, you know, you don't have a Clemson and then you know, uh, you know Miami back to back or you know something like that. I don't think that happened last year, but just as, as an example, um, you know. So I think it's I think it shakes out really well. Um, you know, um, so uh, you know, I think it's a schedule that uh, you know, if if FSU lost against Alabama, they would still be in a good position at the end of the season to potentially. You know, make the 14 playoff um, if everything goes according to plan. Uh, so overall, I think I, along with most of you know, no nation, are pretty excited about the schedule. Kelvin, that was awesome, man. You got all sorts of knowledge here about the uh, the Seminoles here. Tell them where they uh, where they can find more of the stuff that you're producing. Yeah, man, you can go to um, you know, www.chopchat.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, which is ChopChat uh, underscore uh, there. Obviously, you can follow us on Facebook as well. Uh, we're really active on all the social media. Um, we post you know, tons of content every day, uh, everything from just you know, uh, film analysis to opinion pieces, um, reaction pieces from, uh, for fans you know, as they react to different types of news. Uh, so we do it all, man. Um, so uh, you know, check us out. Um, follow us on Twitter. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. We'd love to have you back again sometime if you'd like to rejoin us at some point. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. This is awesome. Yeah, man, absolutely, man. Anytime, anytime, just give us, give us a hotline, man. We'd be glad to come on. All right, that's Kelvin Hunt with us on the uh, Basketball Conference Podcast hotline here. Um, nobody else is allowed to call that, just just Kelvin. Uh, technology issues and <laughs> such. Um, but we really appreciate you joining us, Kelvin. Uh, Mike, this has been fun. Uh, you down to keep doing some of these over the next couple of weeks? Absolutely, Joe. All right. Well, we'll keep some of these uh, season recap podcasts coming at you uh, as we continue to develop them and recap the 2017 season. But until then, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC. And together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. You could also send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, feedback. You can you know review Kelvin's performance, whatever you want to do. Uh, the email address is the longest email, known demand basketball. <laughs> The email address is the longest known to man basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. Uh, but we appreciate you guys turn, tuning in. Uh, hope you enjoyed Kelvin's recap of the Florida State season. But until the next time we get together, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and for Mr. Kelvin Hunt, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ACC. Go!